Why not make it a resolution to say, I'm going to listen to Hello PhD every week in 2016. I don't know how, how we're doing in professional development. It's mostly us drinking beer and telling poop jokes, but... <laughs> Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. Today on the show, we ring in the new year by taking a step back to refocus on the most important factors for a fulfilling career. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 26. I'm Joshua Hall. And I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. Happy 2016, Daniel. Happy New Year. Are we going to pop some bubbly this week? You know we are. You can't have a new year without some champagne. Well, I am happy to report we are not just celebrating a new year, Dan, but we are celebrating a Hello PhD milestone. Oh, what is that? Well, Dan, during the past week, we crossed the 10,000 download threshold. Woo! Wait, I'm trying to pop the cord. Are you, are you prepared last time? You got very scared. <laughs> Removing the headphones. Okay, here we go. <laughs> there it is. Oompa! <laughs> A little hot in the mic there. Whoa, and we're spilling. Uh, and now we've officially got champagne on both mics. <laughs> that's, that's key to uh, a good 2016, I think. Wow, it has been a fun several months. We started this back in July. Uh, and I know, Dan, I have been blown away by the response that we've gotten, uh, by all the fun conversations and messages we've gotten from grad students and postdocs and other lab living people. Uh, lab adjacent the, people. Across not just the United States, but the world, Dan. All right, well, cheers. Cheers. And while you're sampling that, I will tell people what we're drinking. Oh, this is way better than the last this time we had bubbly on the show. Méthode Champenoise Gruet Blanc de Noir. I think that means white of black, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's a paradox. How was my French accent? Was that pretty good? It was pretty pretty spot on. Yeah. You know, Dan, the last time we had bubbly, we were also celebrating, and I think, Dan, was that our second or third episode? I can't even remember. We celebrate regularly around here. So that was what twenty weeks ago or more. Yeah, it's quite a while ago. ago. I picked up this. It's it's a small bottle of champagne. It's kind of like a half size bottle for two people or whatever. Uh, and they actually had a smaller size, like a, a single serving bottle of champagne. And I was like, "What kind of celebration are you having that you're just having it for yourself?" <laughs> Comes with a tiny violin. Yeah. To it. <laughs> you know, Dan, I like this champagne. It's it's a little bit dry. I don't like the overly sweet. Champagne. Yeah, the last the last time we drank anything bubbly, it was it was the Kool Aid with bubbles, and it was gross. Yeah, this feels like it also sat, that one sat in my car for a few days. It was not going to be a good one. This one didn't. No, this no, it wasn't aged in your Hyundai, fresh from the store <laughs> directly to you. Fantastic! Thanks for picking that up. Uh, but yeah, happy uh, happy New Year, Dan, and ten thousand downloads. That's pretty cool. I thought one thing we could do, Dan, as we kind of look back on these past few months, and here we are podcasting in the new year, and let's read some feedback we've gotten. We don't do that a whole lot, but as we said, we love to hear from listeners, and so we thought we would share our joy by reading some of these on the show. So I should put the hate mail bag away? 
Oh, well, I mean, clearly we're not going to read the volumes and volumes of okay. uh, I already, negative reviews. I already spit, set up a spam filter, so we're pretty well covered. <laughs> uh, so let's read a couple. Here's a couple reviews we, we got on iTunes, and we love getting this. Here's one that came in just a couple days ago, Dan, and you're going to love this one. Oh. This is from Gavin0531, who said, I love how they talk about science casually and candidly. I also love their weekly etymology. You didn't discover that my new screen name is Gavin0531, <laughs> did you? I, I always thought nobody liked that part of the show. Oh, the etymology. <laughs> it's the best. I, I tell you all, if you love the etymology puzzle, uh, that really makes Dan's day by it sending makes, those answers to the puzzles in. And there are a handful of you, you know who you are, who write in every week. So that's that's good for me. You know why I like getting responses to the etymology puzzle? Because it says to me that this person actually listened to the end of the show. <laughs> that's true. It's a good test. It is a good test. Or they fast forwarded because they want that Amazon gift card. Well, that's what I would do. Dan, why don't you read another one we got? Okay. This one is titled, Listen to This While Loading Your Next Gel. Oh, I like it. Eddie McPee. Uh, important topics discussed with intelligence, humor, and sensitivity. Josh and Dan have a ton of wisdom to share with anyone at any stage of research career. Get some incredibly insightful and honest advice, or just commiserate and learn how to help your friends still grinding their way through the system. Well, we sure got Eddie fooled. Intelligence, humor, and sensitivity. He didn't describe you at all, though. Oh, snap. Oh, thank you, uh... Eddie and Gavin and everybody else out there who's left reviews, we really love to get those. You know, we sit here and, and talk into this mic week after week, and so it really really helps us to keep going by knowing um, that you guys are liking what you hear. And so we would love to hear more, and if really we mean it, if there are things you would like for us to talk about or things you would like to hear discussed, please let us know. Otherwise, you'll just have to deal with whatever ideas we come up with. Yeah, you can email us, podcast at hellophd.com, or find us on Twitter at Hello PhD. We also got some email. Uh, Justine wrote in, and this was our puzzle winner uh, a week or so ago. Justine said, love the podcast. I actually recently listed it in the professional development section of my IDP. And she puts professional development in quotes. Thank you and keep up the great work. Uh, and I replied, you know, I don't know how, how we're doing on professional development. It's mostly us drinking beer and telling <laughs> poop jokes, but... <laughs> Hey, whatever... Uh, Every once in a while, a bit of content gets in there. Somehow, it escapes the editors. That's right. We are happy to be a CV booster. Uh, but that, thanks for that, Justine. That that really means a lot. Um, I also wanted to read a little bit of uh, specific content feedback from our GRE episode a few weeks ago. A Redditor called Duradius, I'm assuming I'm saying that right, was talking about the GRE and, and came up with a great proposal that I thought the world needed to hear. So Duradia said, an alternative to the GRE would be to administer the students any four-hour test, content doesn't matter much, and about 90% of the way through, tell them they need to start over. Repeat this process five or six times, and whoever is willing to start the test again on round seven gets to go to grad school. <laughs> I thought that was so spot on. Nailed it. Yeah, if you are the kind of person who will suffer through doing the same test five or six or seven times... You're a shoe-in for graduate you, school. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. And I think the the real test would be, you know, if I knew that it was just seven times, I could probably get through it. But if I didn't know how long it would be, and it could be any length of time, that's the that's the graduate school candidate. I agree, Dan. That is that is that's a good comment. Thanks, uh, thanks for that, uh, and thanks for all the feedback. So, Dan, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, you found this great article from an academic looking back on his career and giving the advice of here are the things that are really, really important. 
And what a great time of year to start to reflect a little bit, to take some of the wisdom from other people and and to kind of incorporate it now rather than wait until you're 60 or 80 or 90. Yeah, and Dan, I just saw this article recently. Uh, this was posted on The Chronicle. This is by a guy named Robert Sternberg. And Robert is, he's a professor of human development at Cornell. And before that, he's been a president. He's been a university provost. He's held professional titles. Um, and this is what I thought was was cool, Dan. He's the author of over 1,500 peer-reviewed articles and has been cited over 101,000 times. Okay. Well, technically, I am the co-author on at least 26 podcasts, and I've been listened to 10,000 times. <laughs> 10,000 times. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. But this guy has got me on the academic stuff. And that line. number is only going up. Yeah. So fair enough. Uh, what What caused him to write this article? Well... I guess what he said was clearly he's had a successful academic career. And I guess he was writing, as he says, he was writing this as he looks back on his career who's, and he's thought a lot about and written a lot about academia and academic careers for over 40 years. And here what he's doing is really thinking about the things that he has done or wished he would have done or advice he would actually give to people coming coming through academia now. So, And these aren't specific things like write more papers and work in the lab more, but these are sort of these big things that really, when you look back on, that really give a sense of fulfillment in your career. So this is a successful person saying, okay, that all that's great, but here are some other things to keep in mind. These are the things, when I look back and really think about it, have been important to my career and my sense of fulfillment in my career. Well, and so quite fascinating. His first item that, that he says we need to think about at this stage is put your family first. Um, and he, he directly says, um, like many academics, I was more concerned about getting than giving and giving to my family always seemed as if it could wait another day. The trouble is the family really can't wait. Um, you you can't count on your publications and awards to take care of you. You need your family now and you'll need them more later. More important, they need you now. I think that's great. I think that is great, Dan. I've heard it said this way once. When you're in your work world, like in your job, there's always somebody else who could do that job. There's always somebody else who could do that experiment or take that project forward. But with your family and with your relationships, you're really the only one that can fill that role. And so family and and relationships are really the things that we uh, we alone can can take care of. Yeah, and it's advice not just for people in lab. Um, you may be at different stages in, in your in your life. Um, you may be married or not married, or have kids or not have kids. Certainly you have uh, people you care about and you want to spend time with. But even if you're not working in lab, if you're working in an office or if you're working at a company, your temptation is going to be to get that presentation done for Tuesday um, and, and to put off dinner with your wife or your kids or your friends. And And what he's saying here is, you don't get that time back and that presentation, you're going to forget about it in about six weeks. And they're not just going to need you in 30 years. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. now is now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. So, so think about that today as you are finishing up pipetting, um, loading that last gel. Think about how you're going to prioritize the, the people around you that you love. Yeah, who really needs you? Now, his second piece of advice was to make your health a close second to your family. And we talked about oh, that quite a bit last week. Yeah, we just talked about that. And I'm sure... The Hello PhD listeners are a bit healthier this week than they were last week. I think everybody did 107-minute workouts. Actually, I got to admit, Dan, I ate a lot of cookies this week. 
delicious. Why not? <laughs> Once a year, it's good. Hey, New Year's. New Year's, we'll start that. Dan, this is one that I know you're going to like, and really we've touched on this before, and he says, if you're in the wrong place, get out. So he means like if you're in the wrong lab or if you're in the wrong job? Well, I think what he means, Dan, is, and this is actually what he says, if you're in your 20s and 30s, you might convince yourself that things will work out. But as you get older, you realize a bad match between an academic and institution usually stays that way. So if you care about something like teaching and your university doesn't, the university is probably not going to change. Yeah, I think what he's saying, Dan, is, you know, and and this makes me think about when we talked to Stephanie a couple weeks ago and she decided she was in a Ph.D. program and really just realized, you know what? Things aren't going the way that I want them to go in my life, and I don't really see that they're going to change. She could have stayed, right? Yeah, she could have, and and some people would have. They would have said, well, maybe it'll get better. Maybe my PI will change. Maybe the lab will change. Maybe my experiments will start to just magically get better. Um, and, and certainly there is room for optimism, and there are times when you do need to, to stick with it. Um, but what he's saying here is if there's just a fundamental mismatch between you and the institution or the environment you're in, you know, you should make that change sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And I think that's also true, Dan, of labs. I know that's come up before. I've said that before, but and we should really do an episode about that. If you love science and you love research, but suddenly you're at a different institution or a different stage of your career and you find, wow, this environment is sucking my love of science out of me. Don't abandon science. Just change your environment. Yeah, that's one of your pet peeves is is when people get ruined on science as a whole because of one experience with maybe one bad person. Yeah, and you know, I don't think he's saying just, you know, if you experience a challenge, always just cut, change, and run. cut and run. Cut and run. No, I think he's saying if you really know, don't just wait and think things will eventually get better, but be proactive uh, because really sometimes when you know, you can't find that new thing that is a good fit for you if you're you're stuck in somewhere else. Well, and that's related to another one of his points, that if you're not having fun, something's wrong. And he talks about how, you know, you're not going to make $10 million as an academic researcher. So most of the people that are doing it are doing it because they want to. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're doing something that is just not fun for you, and you're also not making $10 million, you should go do something else. Yeah, and you know what, Dan? I think I've found this to be true for myself and I imagine others have too. If you're actually doing work that excites you, that you're passionate about, you're going to do a way better job and people are going to notice that much more than if you're kind of treading water in a career that you think is the thing that you should be doing. Yeah, you'll have more confidence. You'll bring more creativity. You'll spend more time outside of that job thinking about it, which will bring you new ideas and new ways of thinking about it. Um, you'll just outpace the other people who are kind of drifting along. Yeah, because in some ways it feels less like work, which is great. Sure does. Um, I really liked his point about be true to yourself. And, and I, I didn't understand how it fit into this at first. But he talks about how um, it's not worth it to pursue a research track because it's kind of the hot research track this month. Um, or writing grants for research you don't really want to do just because you kind of want the money. And, and what he's saying, you know, another example he gave is serving on committees where you don't really have anything to contribute. It's like, don't chase after these things because they look like an opportunity, but it's not really in line with what you want. Um, because ultimately, yes, that thing might be hot, but again, it may not be hot forever. 
and you're going to be stuck holding it and you're not going to be interested in it and it's going to burn you out. Yeah, and there are always opportunity costs with finite time and and energy and resources. And so every moment you spend doing something that you're not really passionate about, that's time that you're not spending doing or pursuing something that you really, you know, might be a good fit for you and your interests. Yeah, I think it's it's good to be able to say no. And and the phrase I hear is, uh, if you're going to get involved in something, it should either be a hell yes or a no. So either be really excited about it or recognize that something that's lukewarm or mediocre is not worth it. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think that's something that can be really challenging as you start out in your career is, you know, I'm thinking about being in the lab and your PI says, oh, try this or that. And, you know, knowing when you can say no um, is really something I think you learn as you move through your career. Yeah. And, and over time, I think you'll earn the right to say no to more things as people recognize your abilities and talents as you pursue the things that you're really best at. Yeah, Dan, I like this next one. Don't tie up too much of your self-esteem in someone else's evaluation of your work. This is ironic after reading all of those comments on our iTunes page. But yeah, go ahead, Josh. Tell me more. <laughs> that's why we did. That's why we filter out the bad. No, ones. we don't care about that. I mean, it's just like we're just reading them on the on just, the show. Just looking for some yes men. Yeah, exactly. So what what does he mean here? You know, Dan, I was I was having a conversation with uh, a student of mine actually just last week. And she had had a meeting with her PI and, you know, it was a meeting that her perception was, it went pretty well. You know, he had some suggestions for her and her project and how she could uh, make the most out of the next semester. Uh, But she walked away feeling pretty supported and pretty good about how she'd been doing. There was a colleague in her lab, a peer, who asked how her meeting went and she relayed exactly, you know, her perception of how the meeting went. And her peer's face twisted up a little bit like, oh, well... I think what your PI really meant was that you're not working hard enough and that, you know, Ew. you're <laughs> not meeting his expectations and you're spending too much time doing this or that. And Who and, needs that? Nobody. And, and she said what it really did was suddenly made her second guess everything she'd been doing and everything everyone had been saying to her and about her in the lab. Like, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe maybe I'm not pulling my weight. Well, this relates to one of his points that we we read out of order here. Stay away from jerks. Stay away from jerks. Now, I think we had an episode about that too, Dan, didn't we? Yeah, uh, toxic, toxic labs, toxic people. Haters going to hate. Haters are going to hate. Uh, and it is really true that one kind of sidelong comment from a person who's having another problem in their life and wants to tear you down can really affect you. If you know who that person is, just don't talk to them about it. Yeah, and really it says a whole lot more about them and what they're going through than it does about you. Yeah, well, his... Next point is what we're doing right now, which is take stock periodically. He says, make a point of looking at what you're doing and thinking about what you want to be doing in five years or 10 years and making sure that you're still on track for that. So a lot of times we can get onto a track. Say I get into graduate school. Well, that means I want to be a PhD. And I find myself 15 years later in a job I may or may not like. And and what he's saying here is before you get stuck on that track, and just follow, you know, the next step and the next step and the next step. Really think about, uh, you know, what am I doing and what is it that I really want? And he talks about how career paths are not linear. And I think that is totally true. I could not have predicted when I was applying to grad school that I would soon do carbon accounting and, and various other things. So you only get there by really thinking about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, goal setting is a is an important thing. But I think being 
willing and realizing it's okay to change those goals. And I think that's the importance of taking stock is you just don't stay on a trajectory just because, well, this is what I said I was going to do. But really at these set moments throughout your life, throughout your career, saying, wait, is this really what I want to do? And that's another theme we talk about all the time, Dan, is the importance of doing that self-reflection to think about, hey, are the things I'm doing day to day, are these actually moving me closer to things I want to be moving towards? And if it's not, change. Yeah. So right now, graduate students, uh, do you see yourself wanting to do a postdoc? Do you see yourself wanting to go into uh, a faculty position? Or is it more likely you want to do something else? And if so, today is the day to start working on that. Postdocs, if you're doing a postdoc, do you want to be in a faculty position? Do you want to work in industry? Do you want to go teach somewhere? Whatever it is you think you want to do next, make sure that it's in line with your values, it's true to yourself, and start today working on it. And do you know what you want to do next? Yeah, first, first things first. Yeah, absolutely. I like this one, Dan. Have a hobby, see the world, or both. You know, we talked about this last week with the the two grad students uh, we interviewed about the exercise and, you know, both of them said the importance of having a goal that was outside of their research goals was so important and not just for their their self-worth, but just staying motivated in the lab was having these other things they could work towards and feel good about outside a lab. I have to say, you are the king of having hobbies. <laughs> if anybody should be giving this advice, it's you. Uh, that is probably one of the top three things that you have made fun of me about through the years is my penchants for for new hobbies when we were in graduate school it was i think you did fishing we brewed beer together you played game you know board games gardening gardening was it a band yeah everybody's in a band uh i have a podcast yeah and, and it's consistent i mean you're always picking up new hobbies and i think that's cool it's just part of your personality that you want to keep learning and trying new things yeah because you know you can really i don't know I feel like I get bored uh, if you just have one thing to think about. And and with research, it so often doesn't go your way or the way you think it's going to go. And if that's really, if most of your self-worth eggs are in that basket, uh, that's not a good, that's not a good situation. So his last point is take some risks. And I think this is an interesting one for an academician to, to point out. Um, he says in your 60s and 70s, your biggest regrets are likely to be not about something you did, but about all the things you didn't do, the opportunities you passed up. I don't, I don't know that I have this perspective right now, but I, I know when I was thinking about changing careers, which is very risky, and, and even leaving a, a kind of a safe job at the university to go work at a startup, um, it's, a, it's a risk. A lot of people tried to talk me out of it. And I think if I hadn't done it, I would have been worse off. Absolutely, Dan. You know, I had a very similar experience when... You know, I had the opportunity to take my my current job and leave my postdoc, leave my fellowship early. It was not an easy decision for that very reason. It felt extremely risky, just like you people were trying to talk me out of it. And, you know, Dan, I think I was taking stock at that point and I was thinking about some of these things and eventually realized, you know, if I do this and it doesn't work out, that's one thing, that's on me. But it was harder to think about passing up the opportunity that had come my way and continuing on a path that I wasn't having fun with and I wasn't feeling like was a good fit for me. Yeah. So I took that job offer to make you consider all of these steps. But the reality is it's, you know, we talk about take a risk, but really there's a risk in, in not changing and not doing anything. And 
it's a calculated risk. You know what the upsides are. You know what the downsides are. And if the downsides aren't so bad and the upsides are very good, leap. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a human nature thing, but I feel like we very seldom regret some of those types of risks that we take. Um, I think most people will look back and say, you know, I'm glad I took that risk. I'm glad I did things. I'm glad the way things that things turned out the way that they did. Dan, I thought these were great. I mean, we really flew through these. I feel like each one could be its own topic. So, but people I would, are on vacation. They're not listening to the podcast anyway. It's fine. <laughs> That's right. Um, but what I would recommend is all of you guys take some time. We'll post the link to this on the show notes. Read through it and think about how each one of these really fits into your life and your career path and wherever you are um, in the stage of your career right now. I know I found this article to be be a really good read, especially here at the New Year. I love New Year's, Dan. I love this time. It's a very natural time to take stock of how things are going and to make some changes if you feel like that's something you need to do. Yeah, I think it's really good. If you're the kind of person that likes to to jot things down to remember them, why not go through this list and and make some notes and and say, how am I taking risk? Or am I having fun at this thing? Or what do I think my career is going to be in 10 years? It'd be interesting to just write it down, type it down, and then come back to it in a little while and see, did it turn out like I thought? Absolutely. And why not make it a resolution to say, I'm going to listen to Hello PhD every week in 2016. And not only that, I'm going to tell three friends. Are you going to podcast every week in 2016? Are we never going to take a a week off ever? Hell, maybe we will take stock and make sure we're still having fun. I think we are. Um, Are you ready to have more fun with the returned etymology puzzle? The first etymology puzzle of 2016. It's been a year since we did one. And it's it's kind of a downer, but uh, hopefully hopefully you'll enjoy this one. So the puzzle this week is flavor compounds in e-cigarettes can cause this form of small airway inflammation, erasing some of the health benefits of eliminating tobacco. I'll read it again. Flavor compounds in e-cigarettes can cause this form of small airway inflammation, erasing some of the health benefits of eliminating tobacco. I thought a lot of people would probably be quitting smoking and moving to e-cigarettes. I am doing a public service announcement with the etymology puzzle this week. Remember, I'm looking for a scientific word described by the clue. Once you get it, you'll find the literal meaning of that science word or is a phrase in the clue itself. If you think you know the answer, email it to puzzle at hellophd.com. I'll randomly select a winner from all the correct responses and send the lucky puzzler an Amazon gift card. Fantastic. You can buy all the e-cigarette flavors you want with your Amazon <laughs> gift card. Do they sell that out there? I'm sure they I do. No, no, probably not. We will post the link and you can click through the Hello There, there are so many vape shops around town. You, I'm sure you can find a place to spend your money. Dan, thank you for the champagne. It has been fun celebrating the new year with you tonight. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And we will look forward to an exciting and information-filled 2016 on the LMPHD podcast. Blow your tutor. Here it comes. I love that thing. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>